0: Appreciate that reading, Brother Wayman. This is the second in the series that I began last week. I I won't do it every week, but I wanted to go ahead and and bring this one in in the series. And the series, as you remember, is called, I will not be negligent to put you in remembrance of these things though you know them. And, and the subject that we're covering today is from Second Timothy, the second chapter verses verse 15, "Study to show thyself approved unto God. Uh, th- there's a need for this, and, and, and the prime time to preach lessons of admonition. Last week, I mentioned um, lessons of exhortation in connection with assembling together attendance. I wanted to present this lesson from the standpoint of admonition. And the prime, there's a prime time to do that. Where if you look, first of all, at the word admonition, uh, to warn, to exhort, its fundamental idea is well intentioned seriousness, with, one, with, with, with which one would influence the mind and disposition of another. And then also, as Vine puts it, the training by word. Admonition is the training by word, whether of encouragement or if, ne- or if necessary, by reproof or remonstrance. And so this is a lesson of admonition about what we know, about what we know to do. And, and just as Peter had said in 2 Peter 1 verse 12, I'll not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you already know them and are established in the present truth, it must not slip our minds in connection with study of God's Word and the importance of that. And when we look at our text here, and I want to use the ISV in this text, I like the word study, I like the word diligent. The thought also comes out, do your best to present yourself to God as an approved worker. And, and that's involved, as we're going to see in our, in our study this morning, about study. Study of God's Word. That we diligently seek to be approved by God, but we can only do that by, by the study of His Word. He says, one who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the truth, handling the Word of truth with precision. And I'll have more to say about that, but just let me say this so often there are truths that are, that are stated and truths that are, that are affirmed. And then many times Scripture goes along with those affirmations, though that have nothing to do with the affirmation or the proclamation that's being made. It's of a, it's a, it's of a different context. And, and what Paul is talking about here to Timothy and what he's saying to us The connection with study of God's Word is that the handling of the Word of Truth is to be with precision. And context means everything. It it just means everything when we go to God's Word and we study it. Where we define terms in the Bible. And we look at definitions that are based upon Scripture. And then he says in verse 19 to Timothy, however, God's solid foundation still stands. It has this seal, this inscription on it The Lord knows those who belong to him. And I'll just say that is by an indication, or rather by the indication of those that are diligent in their study. But there's an, another one that is on this inscription everyone who calls on the name of the Lord must turn away from evil that's the application of what of what one studies and comes to understand in their lives so it's the knowledge that we gain the understanding that we gain but yet it we don't have the complete picture of what Paul is saying here in verse 19 until we put that into practice apply it in our lives we can know a lot of bible we can know the truth but unless we put it in practice in our lives, it really does us no good. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Study reflects something about ourselves. It reflects spirituality if we study God's Word. The 119th Psalm in verse 7, the psalmist says, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. And again, as I have here on the screen what he's saying here is condition based and what he's saying is is that i will be able to praise you with an upright heart i will be able to do that which is righteous in your eyes in your sight but only upon the condition that i learn your righteous judgment or rules it's condition based well, I don't believe that any of us can praise God properly unless we learn from God's Word how to praise Him properly. And that, I believe, is what the psalmist is saying here. And like unto it is verse 11 of the 119th Psalm. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Unless we have God's Word stored up in our heart, and this deals somewhat with the application of God's Word in our lives unless we have that word stored up in our heart, there will be sin in our life. There will be transgression in our life. We will not be doing what the Lord would have us do. Again, it's condition-based. And then in verses 15 and 16 of this same psalm, the 119th psalm, he says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. And that really describes that diligence, that study in God's word. And then the attitude that comes from that i will delight in your statues i will delight in your statutes i will not forget your word that means it's written on the tables of the heart as paul puts it not on tables of stone as the mosaic law was but this is on the tables of the heart each and every one of us and i want you to think about this from the standpoint of what paul requested in his last letter that we have record of 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, verse 13. What he requested from Timothy, and, and, and I want, j- just bear with me for just a moment. Here you have a man that was highly trained with a grand education from the premier teacher of the day going back into his youth, Gamaliel, there at Jerusalem. He knew God's law. He became a Christian and then received inspiration from god because he was an apostle and he taught from god's word as it was given to him by inspiration he was able to understand god's word and present that in a very clear fashion and he taught often even when he was in prison he was teaching it didn't matter if it was in Philippi or if it was in Rome. He was still teaching even though he was he was held captive. He was still teaching God's word. And he had he had inspiration from God and he didn't need anything else but there's something that he wanted. 2 Timothy 4 verse 13, he tells Timothy, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Also the books and above all, Bring the parchments, and and books could refer to secular writing, and that's very possible. He was very well read. He quoted philosophers, and he did that often. He quoted philosoph- philosophers whenever he went to the Areopagus in in, in Athens, Greece. We see that in Acts of seventeen chapter. He also quoted um, uh, another um, uh, another. Um, um, philosopher, whenever he wrote to Titus in Titus the first chapter, while he was on the island of Crete, a a Cretan philosopher, he quoted him. So the books could be about things other than Scripture, but especially, as it says, and above all, if you forget the cloak and you forget the books, do not forget the parchments. And usually that term, especially with the definition of that word, relates to the scriptures to god's word well why in the world would he want that because he wanted to do exactly as the psalmist said i want to meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways i want to delight in your statutes i will not forget your word remember that old adage and it came up in our class a couple weeks ago what you don't use you lose and the use of god's word then keeps us sharp it keeps us sharp, study really reflects our spirituality if we if we say well i 'm going to leave that to someone else i 'm going to leave the study of god 's word they can tell me what I need to do it's not it's not our spiritual spirituality that we're receiving it 's theirs unless we write it on the tables of our heart and understand it from true study of god 's word and a precise study of god 's word it 's not ours it's someone else's this is the this is the admonition in this, in this particular lesson that we receive not only from me and what I'm presenting but especially from the scriptures and what they say concerning the study of God's word. That spirituality comes forth and is reflected in our study. If we're not studying, we're not really spiritual. We're trusting in something else other than God's word and that's just, that's just fact. If we're not studying God's word, we're trusting in something else other than his word. But also, we study in order to be approved unto God. And when you look at what Paul says in Galatians first chapter and verse 10, he says, For I, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. if you look at the statement that is there, I, I believe, I truly do, that there are many that stand in pulpits and I'm talking about in buildings that have Church of Christ on the outside, that men this morning stand in pulpits more about the approval of man rather than the approval of God. And what will take place from that is a watering down of God's word. It will be overlooking sin when sin needs to be addressed. It will be that which tickles the ears, as Paul talked about in Second Timothy the fourth chapter, verses two through four rather than preaching of the word that comes about from a true study of god's word we're looking for the approval of god not the approval of man and he says here in verse 10 at the end i would if i look to please man i would not be a servant of christ he's saying then i become a servant of man rather than of christ jesus we must never allow that when we look in first thessalonians 2 verses 3 through 5 Paul says, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. And he made sure that wherever it was that he went, he did not come with flattering words, but he came with words that people needed to hear. And when he came and they made presentation, there was no guessing, there was no winging it, but there was, in the sense, because it is now, book, chapter, and verse, and that's what we must do. You know, Daryl and I, when we go to the prison, before every class period, because we always, it seems like we always have visitors. That, that are not members of the body of Christ in that class. We, we will make the comment, what we are doing here is looking to God's word. And what we're going to be saying here, we're going to back up with God's word. And if we are inconsistent in what we are saying from God's word, we want you to point it out. But what we're not going to do, you just speak of our own mind. And I believe it's something that we need to get into the habit of where we talk and discuss God's will and we discuss Scripture, that we give Scripture. I I know that that we know it. Somewhere in the Bible it says this, or it says that, and we can say that all the day long. And I know that when you look back, uh, even Jesus used the term, somewhere it is written and there's a reason why of course because he was explain. he knew exactly where it was but he was explained to a group of group of people that even though they could look at the scrolls with the scriptures written on them it was not in book chapter and verse at that time he used it in that sense but we need to know we need to point to God's word and not just say somewhere And it's not because we need to be justified as being right, but rather it is God's word that is shown forth and proven in the things that we have to say. And so no guessing, no winging it, we look for book, chapter, and verse. Our spirituality is reflected in our study because study is wanting to have guidance from God. Wanting to study reflects the desire for guidance from God. Jeremiah said in 10th chapter and verse 23, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, is not in man that walks, to direct his own steps. And Jeremiah makes that statement, and, 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 it's, and it's true. I don't care if you're talking about the beginning of time until time is no more, that time period, that is absolutely truth, no matter what time period you're speaking of, as long as time exists. That we cannot direct ourselves. I, I, I will suggest to you, there would be no good that we could do unless we know the good from God. There, there would be no love that we could give except to be. God teaches what love is because He is He is love. All, all that which is profitable, that which is worthwhile. That which edifies comes from God and does not come from man. And Paul says in first, first Corinthians, the second chapter verses 14 through 16, "The natural man receives not the things of the spirit of God. that is a man that is thinking with the flesh, a person thinking with the flesh. He says, because they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. That is, when his mind is not set on looking at things of God, but rather he looks at his own desires, the lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. In contrast to that, he says then in verse 15, but he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged by no man. In other words, the direction comes from God. And he, and he judges all things because he looks to God's word. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ and we have that through God's word. What, what, just think about that great blessing that is afforded to us. We, we, we don't have to try to figure a way to save ourselves, which we cannot do in the first place. But God gives us the way of salvation. God gives us the means in which we can become a child of God. He gives us the means that we can live and be a child of God that's pleasing in His sight, approved before Him through the Word. This spirituality in our study is, recognized, is recognizing God's authority. 1 Peter 4 and verse 11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man serves, let him do it as the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's either that recognition of authority or else we're just saying or giving a personal testimony. And that happens so often. But we're not to teach others from the standpoint of personal testimony. it's, it's, It's wonderful to tell people the way that we were and now what we've become and the sorrow that we have for what we were and the joy that we have and the thanksgiving that we give unto God for what we've become, that's wonderful. But we must give book, chapter, and verse for what God says and it's because it's not from our mind. It is God's will, not ours. Study also reflects a desire for Fellowship. And I'm talking about the fellowship that we studied this morning in our class. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. As we studied this morning, it's not agreement on every aspect, nuance of Scripture, but with that same attitude of, I want to go to heaven, I want to do the Lord's will, and I want you there with me. And I want to be in fellowship with you in accordance with God's word. When we look at 2 Corinthians 13 verse 11, Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for completeness. Restoration, it says in the ESV. Completeness or be, be completed in the American Standard Version. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace and the God of love and peace will be with you. Let me tell you, I believe that the more that we study the more peace there is and the more fellowship there is among brethren. And the reason being is we come to find out we don't know near as much as what we might think that we know, but God tells us what we need to know. And so the admonition is given to Timothy by Paul in the second chapter of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2. He says, "...and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also." That's the fellowship that is entrusting our understanding that we have through God's word to others, that we give it to others, that is not our understanding alone, but it is that which is supported by book, chapter, and verse by God's word. And that these elements then reflect then our spirituality for a desire for fellowship. There's individual impact of not studying that takes place. And here's the admonition part of this lesson. In the first century, it could mean life or death. Those that would not study God's word. And in Romans the 10th chapter, verse 3, he says, For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. And in the first century, he says, Those that do not submit to God's righteousness... And try to establish their own righteousness, have no righteousness. They are ignorant of the righteousness of God, and the only true righteousness there is is from God. It meant life or death spiritually. It absolutely did. When we look in Galatians, the first chapter, verse 6 and 7. It is, it is amplified for us. That fact is amplified for us that it means life and death. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of our of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there is there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And later on, of course, in the sixth chapter, in verse seven, we can use this in connection with the result the end consequence be not deceived god is not mock for whatever man sows that shall he also reap and we see this in the first century it meant life or death to understand and i'm talking about spiritual life spiritual separation spiritual death from the lord if if they did not study and know god's word And there were letters that were being written to them. They could study the the spoken word that was given to them by those that were prophets and those that were inspired, so to speak. And it meant life or death to them. And in the same way, it's life or death to us today. I will use the principle from Hebrews 5, verse 12 through 14. Let me repeat that. I will use the principle that is involved from Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. The actual context, of course, as we go into the 6th chapter, verses 1 through um, 4, is about a comparison of what the old law was and what they were to leave. But here's the principle, and this stands true as a scriptural principle. For the time that you ought to be teachers, you have need of someone to teach you again the first principles or basic principles of the oracles of God. And I know that that relates back to the Mosaic Law, especially the Messianic Messianic prophecies of Christ Jesus. But the principle stands true of those things that are just basic. We need to move on. We need to grow. You need meat, not solid food, he tells them. And what a shame that is, Christians, to, to stagnate and not grow. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. Let me tell you, that means study, that means diligence, to distinguish good from evil. And so I use that principle because if we're not growing, we're dying. If we're not studying, we're losing it. We don't really know the word of God the way that we should. I want to use also Second Peter the second chapter verse one and two, because he uses. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, Second. Uh, well, actually, it will be First Peter two in just a moment. But Second Peter two verses one and two, because he says, "False prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you." <clears throat> and there are those that are out there that teach false a false gospel. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just as there was in the first century. And and, and because of that, they will secret, secretly bring in destructive heresies, divisions, even denying the Lord the master. And many will follow their sensuality and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed and many of these teachers, both male and female, are so likable and so charismatic, and they catch the imaginations of people, and they are wordsmiths that can that can dazzle us with the English language, but yet they're not teaching the truth, and we need to be aware of that now, first Peter two verses one and two so put all put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander as or like newborn babes or infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 60 years, if you've been a Christian for six months. We need the spirit, pure spiritual milk. And here he's not talking about those things that are elementary. But he's talking about the full sustenance from God's Word. Here he's calling... The Word of God, pure spiritual milk. It gives us complete sustenance to grow. It doesn't matter how old we are. And so I I caution us in our studies and in our classes... Don't wait to the last minute in your studies and, and for for classes and so forth when we come together. Don't be center reference or Google, Google search scholars. I had to change it. I brought a lesson or I wrote rather an article some years ago, center reference scholars, because I, I know each and every one of you have witnessed it also. You'll be in a class and, and you can tell who's not studied because they'll go to their center reference or side reference and and they will they will see a verse that ties in they think with with a verse that you're discussing, but that has nothing more to do other than with a word that might be in that verse, and contextually it does not have anything to do with what you're studying whatsoever. That's the center reference scholar that gets caught and now you have to add to it these days the Google search scholar at the last moment now we that's the reason that in our studies. That, that I am so concerned about us defining spiritual, scriptural words scripturally rather than from a secular dictionary so that we really come down to the understanding and essence of what is being spoken through the scriptures. We really, truly have an understanding of it. So don't be center reference or Google search scholars. Go to God's word. And I will say this, I'll bring a lesson on it later on. I've already got it started. We don't need to understand the Greek in order to understand God's Word, but we certainly can be enhanced in our understanding by some of the Greek. We we can do that. So, utilize, utilize the material that we have out there for an understanding of God's Word. And don't just wing it. To not study is to look for every excuse to not obey the Lord. Luke, the 10th chapter, verse 25 through 29. Jesus was on earth and he stands before a lawyer. A lawyer at that time was not like a lawyer that we have today, but this was a lawyer of the Mosaic law. They understood the Mosaic law. And this one stood up to put Jesus to the test and said, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law, how do you read it? I'll point out to you right there that Jesus didn't say, well, how do you feel? What what do you think? He says, what is written in the law, how do you read it? Give me book, chapter, and verse, in other words. And he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Here was the problem. Here was the problem with this lawyer. But he, verse 29, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Here was a man that knew the answer, knew the book, chapter, and verse, because this is from the Old Testament, back in Deuteronomy. He knew the answer, but he did not make application in his life. He looked rather to excuse himself. And to not study is to not complete the circle of not only understanding and knowing, but also that application of God's word in our life, and that is what this man did not do. To not study is also to say my time is more important. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, For by him, Christ Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things, verse 16 at the end, were created through Him and for Him. Again, as I mentioned last week in our study on attendance, the same thing is true. Time is not ours. It belongs to the Lord. It's created by Him or through Him and for Him. And this includes our study, our diligence in God's Word. To not study is to outright disobey the Lord. When we look at 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 23... Peter says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. How can you do that without a study of God's word? And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that would be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's told us in Scripture. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as you call, as he called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You don't know how to be holy. You don't know how to be separate from the world. None of us do except through God's Word. And if you call on Him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, that is, while you're here on earth, how do we know to conduct ourselves without going to God's Word? verse 18 knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers not with perishable things such as silver or gold but with the precious blood of christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot having purified your souls by your obedience to the feelings that you have is that what it says to the truth For sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. We don't know how to do that except through God's word. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. We don't know how to obey the Lord unless we study God's word. And to not study is outright disobedience. And it also reveals a heart problem. Isaiah 7 and verse 9. Get this, what Isaiah says. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. And the only way for us to be firm in faith is to know what the faith is, what God's Word is. I want to repeat that. That is such an impactful passage of Scripture that Isaiah gives. If you are not firm in faith... You will not be firm at all, that is, in this life. You, you will waver, you will bow to the whims of men, you will do that which is popular, you will have no care and consideration for God's word if you're not firm in the faith. You will not be firm in anything, but you will be wishy-washy in everything. And that's what Isaiah is saying here in, verse seven, in chapter 7 and verse 9. Not only is there an individual impact of not studying, there's a collective impact of not studying. I'm talking about congregations, brethren. And once again, our text, be diligent to present yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed, handling the word of truth with precision. And the Lord knows those that are are His. Let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, turn away from evil. The inscription has, the Lord knows who belongs to him. It's a stamp of approval. And what goes along with it is, by that which is demonstrated, turning away from evil. And that comes about by handling the word of truth with precision. Here's the collective impact thriving living congregations become a shell of what they once were does this sound familiar from last week it's the same that statement is pretty much the same and it's shown forth in scripture Hosea 4 verses 6 through 7 my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge I reject you from being a priest to me And that is so applicable today because children of God, Christians, are priests of God. We find that out in 1 Peter, the second chapter, verse 5, and also in verse 9. And since you've forgotten the law of God, I will also forget your children. The more they increase, the more they sinned against me, I will change their glory into shame. I've been in congregations where there have been parents that just love the study of God's word and they involve themselves in it and they do their best with it but the children have no interest i don't know if it's because the parents did not pass that interest down to them in training them and teaching them i i don't know but generations that follow many times don't have that same interest in the study of god's word how shameful that is not only shameful but also as hosea says people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge of god's word a lack of studying and in in living thriving congregations You see people that are involved in the study of God's Word. In congregations that begin to dwindle and to die away, the study of God's Word just becomes nothing more than the reading. And sometimes not even that. There's a brother that I know of that was still preaching when he was quite elderly. And, And I listened to one of his sermons. I'm going to put that in quotation marks. And the reason being is because of the statements that he made. He said, I'm just getting so old. um, I'm really having trouble concentrating. And so instead of a sermon, I'm just going to read Scripture. And I won't be able to make comment on it. I'm just going to read Scripture. I want to urge the shepherds of this congregation that if I ever get to that point, please set me down. I, I beg you. Because it's not good for the collective. It's not good for the congregation. There, there needs to be an exegesis of God's Word, a study of God's Word with the explanation that is involved in order for there to be true understanding, and not only that, but also the application of it that we see in everyday walk of life and in ourselves also. And he says that in verse 7, the more they increase, the more they sinned against me, I will change their glory into shame. And that happens in congregations that start to to grow and, and get big, and then they forget what it was that brought them there, that is the Word of God. And then they start leaving that off, and then there's a decline in the congregation. There's a decline in spirituality especially, and there's also a decline then that takes place in membership because they did not stay with the word entertainment then becomes the focus over spiritual matters and we see that when we look back I think in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 20-22 with the Corinthian congregation when you come together it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat for in eating each one goes ahead with his own meal one is hungry another gets drunk or has drunk full not necessarily speaking of inebriation What, do you not have houses to eat and to drink, in, or do you despise the church of God to humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. And they became more involved in the social aspect, the entertainment aspect, so to speak, there in Corinth, rather than remembering the Lord's death and coming together for spiritual matters, they were coming together for secular matters. And let's make an application of what can take place in congregations and have taken in congregations. I'm not talking about congregations putting on plays and so forth. That has happened. They've left the Lord. They've done that. They have concerts. They show movies and so forth. All these different things. But I'm not talking about to even that extent. I'm talking about what can happen to us. Where the preaching Is more about the satisfaction of the hearers than it is about the teaching of what is needed through God's word. And a congregation that is involved in study will not put up with that. They will understand exactly what Paul was talking about to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 4, verses 2 through 4. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound teaching but will heap to themselves teachers to tickle their ears and be turned away from the truth into fables. And that will happen in a congregation when, when the focus is not on the study of God's Word and, let me say, the precise study of God's Word and the precise preaching of God's Word. Wherever you have a man that stands in the pulpit that loves to be seen more than the hearing of God's word to be given. More about putting on a show rather than teaching the truth. Remember Paul had said, I I didn't come to you to flatter you. He said that to the Corinthians, no. But rather to preach God's word and that's the way that it should be. Congregations decline and then get involved into this entertainment aspect. But not only that, sermons then become tedious rather than an opportunity. Here we are at um, in worship before God this morning. Whether you're online or you're you're there at the building, we are together in worship and we're to be together in fellowship. And I want to ask you, how is it that you're taking this sermon this morning? Are you thinking about someone else? Are you saying, well, you know, that's a little bit overstated. What he's saying is a little bit overstated. Um, Maybe it's more responsibility of the shepherds and the preacher than it is the, the regular member of the church. He's really not, I don't really need to know all those things. And when is this sermon going to be over? Isaiah 30 verses 8 through 11. And now go write it before them on a tablet and inscribe it in a book that it may be for the time to come as a witness forever. For they are rebellious people, lying children, children unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, Do not see, and to the prophets, Do not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us smooth things, prophesy illusions, leave the way, turn aside from the path, let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. 3,000 years ago? Yes. Today? Absolutely. That takes place right there. Speak to us smooth things. Give us little light sermons. We don't want the full meal. We want just what makes us happy. Whenever I leave the building, I don't want to feel bad. I just want to feel good. Well, let me tell you, it's not about the preacher and it's not about the word. It's about your actions on how you feel when you leave the building today. And that's just the truth of the matter. Whether or not you put your time into studying God's Word, whether or not you put your time into applying it in your life, is not the responsibility of just the Word of God and the preacher, but it is your responsibility to make sure that that happens in your life. Don't let sermons become tedious, but let them become opportunities to fill up that which is lacking in our life. Make sure that we do that. Let me tell you, and I'm not just paying lip service to this, I am attacked more by my preaching than I am a, than anybody else in this congregation. It, these lessons come about from what is needed in my life. and that is the absolute truth. I'm convicted more by what I preach than anyone else. I'm, I'm assured of that. And then from that, brief storytellers become preferred over preachers. Paul says in Ephesians 4, verse 15 through 16, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is head into Christ. First of all, make sure and call call me and tell me if I'm not speaking the truth in love Is it forceful? I want it to be. I'll be honest with you. Is it from a standpoint of admonition? That's what this lesson is about. But I promise you it is from the truth in love that I'm speaking. So that we can all grow up in Christ Jesus. So that this local body can be joined and held together by every joint which is equipped. How can we do that unless we know God's Word? How can you help me and I help you unless we know God's Word? When each part is working properly, that's knowing God's Word and applying it, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And then Paul puts it this way, I really wish this had been verse 17 of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, but it's not. It's Galatians 4 and verse 16, but it still ties in. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? If there's something lacking in your life, say in connection with studying, as we're talking about today, that you're not, you're not spending the time in God's Word the way that you should. Am I your enemy by telling you that? Or am I your friend? It's really going to depend upon your spirituality, how you answer that. These congregations then that continue this decline, excuse me, they start playing church rather than worshiping God. Ephesians 4 verse 14 so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the by the cunning craftiness of men with their deceitful schemes and they begin then just to play church because it's not about God's word no one asked in in that congregation well where is that written no rather they they come to the point where they ask what's wrong with what we're doing rather than what's right with what we're doing and so they begin to play church, Jude the 10th the, the verse. These people blaspheme all that they do not understand and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively rather than that which is from God's word. Well, this is what I want, this is what I like, and I think it's okay. What does God think? With the way that congregations conduct themselves, what about what God thinks? And then, even though there are concerns by a few in the congregation, they're still trying to go to their word, to to, to, to their Bibles, to look to see what God's word is, it's too late. And they either capitulate with the group and just become something that is something other than spiritual. They are just playing church. Or if they're strong enough still, well, then they have to move on. It could be by a congregation that's very close by. I, my dad preached at a congregation one time, and there was a liberal element that was coming in. And he and I went to visit every member of that congregation <clears throat> to talk to them about the situation. And we went to a family that lived two houses away from the church building. They lived next door to us, and we were in the church's home there—the the the house that the church had they, that that they owned—and right next door to us was this was this family. And and Dad started explaining the issues that were at hand, and the man stopped and said, "Wait, just, just stop right there." He says, "You don't understand." <laughs> He said, if that church pulls down the sign Church of Christ and puts Baptist up there or Methodist up there or whatever up there, it doesn't matter to me because it's close, that's where I'm going to go. He was ready to capitulate with anything because there was no understanding of God's word in him. Amos 8, chapter verse 11 and 12. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but a hearing of the word of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. And the reason being is their hearts are not set on listening to God's will. And so they are involved in a famine. They are involved for a thirst for water, for the hearing of God's word, They don't even realize it because they don't realize their lives. Ephesians 5, verse 6-8, Let no one deceive you with empty words, because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners, do not enter into fellowship with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, and that being light in the Lord is understanding what God's word is. Therefore walk as children of light. And the light is the gospel of Christ Jesus. Let our desire be as the Lord showed. Jesus used the term at least 24 times, it is written. Could he have spoken just without saying that and it not be authoritative? No, it was going to be authoritative. But he was teaching a lesson in, in saying, it is written. He did that where he stood even before Satan. And it was a lesson for us that in every way to stave off Satan, in every way to resist Satan, we go to God's Word, it is written, it is written. Be gone, Satan, for it is written. And then we see because of that, standing for the truth and using of God's Word, the devil left him, verse 11 of Matthew, the fourth chapter. The devil left him, and he will resist. If we resist him, then he will leave us also. Let us all study to show ourselves approved unto God. Maybe those in the building this morning that have not become children of God. The Word of God is there for you. That having faith in God's Word, Hebrews 10 and verse 17, you can be penitent. In other words, make a change of mind to turn toward God, Acts 3 verse 19. You can name the name of Christ, Acts 8 chapter and verse 37. You can be baptized in order to wash away your sins, Acts 22 and verse 16. And the words are there for you to become a child of God. Will you take hold of those words and do that this day? Maybe there are those this morning. Maybe you've not been studying the way that you should. If that is the case, really ask yourself, am I growing or am I declining? If you're not growing, well then you're declining. That's really the answer. Get involved in the study of God's word. And if you've done something that is, that is sinful in the public way, ask for goodness for that. Because you have brethren here that will pray with you and for you, we see that in James fifth chapter verse sixteen: "Confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much." Can we assist you this morning? Can we assist you also to, with ad, this admonition, be involved and study and do diligence and do your best in God's word, so that you can be approved before Him by your understanding and application of the truth. If there are those that we can help in any way, we ask you to come as we stand and sing.